Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here with the Tribe Talk Podcast. I'm back in the office with the founder, CEO, executive director. This is Pastor Papa Rock. That's the best name right there. That, that would kind of encapsulate it because Rock's here drinking his coffee. You know, you get all these fancy schmancy titles. Like, they just don't seem to do it. I mean, you're all that, but like, they just, oh, there's the coffee mug that says, that was the big cling right there you heard. The Papa coffee mug. Hey, Rock, I got a question um, that we need to answer because we were in here in a meeting in your office the other day. You walked in and you mentioned, you said, hey, one of my friends said, I got your podcast. <laughs> will I keep getting it? And you were like, I, I don't know. Will, will yeah, he? that was kind of like, I didn't know what to tell him. <laughs> I got it too, but I was in it. So, I mean, you know, so what, you tell us, Andy, how, how do, how does someone ensure that they can hear it or get it or can they sign up for it or what? Okay, well, so if you're listening to it right now, you got it. Uh, here's, here's really what we do with the podcast. So this is a little bit into the weeds, but we... Uh, record this file, we put it on our website, and then our, our website, it pushes out what's called an RSS feed. That's just fancy for a way to say it uh, broadcast it across the internet to different places that are set to receive it. And Apple Podcast is one of the places that receives that feed. Google Podcast receives that feed. Uh, Spotify receives that feed. Uh, if you have another place and you can insert your own RSS in there, that will receive that feed. And so what I would say is if you will go search any of those providers and search Tribe Talk Podcast, you'll see the logo come up. Just click to follow it. It'll be right there. Um, really, that's one of the best ways. And if you do that, rate us, review us. That helps other people find it because those providers will say, hey, this is valuable content. We're going to show it to other people that tend to like the types of things that you like. Um, however, people need to know, if, if they're listening right here on our website or wherever they're hearing this, if they're on our email list, uh, every week when we do this, we're going to send you an email to remind you. Um, Which will have a link in it, too. It'll have a link in it that'll drive you right back to our website. And when you get to our website, if you're at the top of the website right there listening to this, you're going to see all these little buttons. One looks like an Apple logo one looks like the google logo one looks like the spotify yeah. logo click that it'll open it up follow it easy peasy yeah. and we really uh we're kind of new at this and andy's really been instrumental in taking us um to a different level here at transformation ministries and so if you listen to the podcast and you think it's um worth listening to please share it or, or just you know let people know about it so that um we can kind of start broadening our uh, Spread the tent. Yeah. Put the pegs out wider. Something like that. Build yeah. a bigger table. <laughs> Expand the fence. Pedal to the metal. All that. <laughs> Pedal to the metal. So, well, now the 70s, man. <laughs> well, we got all this, uh, all, all these great people. Like today, you know, uh, as of recording of this, we had Lauren Taylor, who is in the counseling mm -hmm. uh, facet of Amazing Transformation counsel, Ministries. Yeah. Uh, you know, she got on, told her story, and there's all these things like you didn't even know. Some of those things we go, I did not know. Yeah, but but it's but it's incredible. We got some great leaders here, and uh, I, I love getting the emails back from everybody. I, I got one this morning from somebody who's like, oh, well, I, didn't, "I didn't even know you guys were doing this." What, what, so anyway, we're here. Uh, man, that is a long intro to get to what we're going to talk about today. But I think this is going to really help a lot of people. Yeah. So here's what I want you to teach us, teach me today is this. Really easy framework to understand 
how we walk through the Christian life. And you've, you've got a great way. I've heard it. I sat through your class before where you talked about the room of good intentions, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of people, it is so easy to fall into that, and the room of grace. Right. So maybe explain the difference between those okay. and then... Right. I'll start off by saying, first of all, I didn't think that up. Um, that comes from True Face, the organization True Face, and they wrote a book called The Cure. That's one of our textbooks that we use and teach in our part one inner healing classes. And um, they are the ones that introduced me to the whole concept of the two rooms. And uh, I just kind of took it and took all the way they taught it and kind of in my own mind drew things out on a board and made up my own little presentation of the rooms to fit into a classroom scenario. But they're the ones that gave me the idea. And when I got introduced to the cure and to the things that the True Face teaches uh, through the cure, the biggest impact for me was expanding my understanding, un expanding my picture of what God's grace really is. For years and years as a Christian, grace to me and faith, first of all, were just kind of synonymous. You know, I got faith, like God's grace, we have faith in it, our faith through his grace. But the main thing was, is Ephesians talks about, for by grace we're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift from God. So grace was my way to get to heaven. I have God's grace, I can't work my way to heaven, I got to accept Jesus. And that was about it. It's kind of the fire insurance yeah, policy yeah, is how I it's just, taught. I want to make sure I'm saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. And um, when I read The Cure, when I started studying grace at a deeper level, God just began to open up into this huge picture and allow me to see him through the eyes of his grace or filter of his grace. And it was so much bigger, so much greater. And I had had a lot of truth poured into me early in my life and I knew the word and I knew the Bible and the, and I was raised Baptist and then Baptist teaches the word. Man. That was going to be my follow-up question is what was the background? Is Baptist. Baptist. Baptist and then I, then I ended up being a Methodist minister while I was in college and then I got into the Assembly of God then I got non-denominational they got filled with the Spirit so I, I kind of went through a lot of different denominations but Baptist generally growing up as a kid is where I was all the time with my parents and they taught me truth. And I had that, but I didn't know much about grace, and I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit came into my life in terms of a, an extra anointing, so to speak, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's when I began to see grace through this book, The Cure. And um, what I try to portray in the classroom with the students is how I start, the very first class we start with is about God's agape love and what that is his unconditional love for us and that no matter what you've done no matter how bad your life's been no matter how many bad choices and mistakes and divorces and this and that and being a bad father and all those things I'm talking about myself here um, God just loves me he loved me through that whole time even. and um, so I want to start them in this inner healing class knowing where we're going to. We're running to the arms of the Father, but you have these things that are blocking you that are psychologically telling you, I'm not good enough, I've been too bad, you got shame and guilt and all the different topics that we address for inner healing. We, we, I just start out first saying, this is where we're going. 
This is God, God's grace. And a great way to do that is through Ruth. And so everybody gets to this wind the road in their life at some point where they're trying to choose what, what am I going to do um, now that I'm saved? What am I going to do for the Lord? Or what, what do I have to do? Or I don't even know what to do. I just know Je- I accepted Jesus and now I'm a new Christian um, and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do whatever my pastor tells me. Of course, they're going to sign you up to do everything. Do everything. You know, volunteer for every committee. So this is going to kind of be the framework whereby people are going to walk out their Christian faith. Yep. So this is, this, is, this is really kind of the grid, the lens, whereby you're, you're saying we're going to see God. Right. We're going to interpret things through this lens. This is going to color the experience. And I want them to see the picture that God gave me of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And when I say agape love, that includes his grace. His grace and mercy are the two main things that emanate out of his um, unconditional love for us. So we get to this why in the road, what do I do? And for me, I was coming out of rehab. Um, you know, I, I had made, hurt a lot of people. My wife was mad at me. And so this pathway that at the why in the road that, that I came to was pleasing God and others. Well, man, that sounds like a good thing to me. If I can have God be pleasing God, and if I can get all these people that I hurt to be happy with me again, whatever I need to do, I just want everyone to be happy. Let's get back to normal. Nobody's mad. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, I take this pathway, and as I go on this pathway, and um, I'm finding this room, and the doorway to that room is um, self-efforts. What do I have to do? to please God and others in my life. And when I go through that door, I meet somebody that greets me. But in that room, it's so busy. Everybody's running around doing all these things. And there's just people everywhere doing all these things. They're all good things. Man, they're going to doing soup lines. They're doing Bible studies. They're in church every other day. And they're doing all the things the pastor in the, in the church is asking them to do. And man, they're just all busy. Every night there's something. They're all running around. And they all seem so happy. And then this guy greets me at the door. And he says, hey, man. Welcome to the room of good intentions. How you doing? And I'm Kim coming out of life's turmoil. Man, I've been messed up. I've been in rehab. I may be losing my job. My wife's divorcing me. I'm, hey, things aren't going too good for me. And um, I just start telling them in tears in my eyes and start bawling. They're going like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I think my wife's divorcing me and like, United's going to fire me. And I start pouring myself out, you know, like if you're in a counseling session or something. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, bro. We don't talk about those things in here. This is the room of good intentions. Here, put on this mask of I'm fine. Just put on a mask. And I look up, and that's what it is. All those people have this big smile, and they're all saying I'm fine. But it's all a mask. It's all a mask. It's not like real people. They're busy doing all these things. But all I know, I don't know what's behind the mask. I just know everyone's saying they're fine. So just put this mask on and go out there and start doing things, and you'll be fine. Well, I'm a new Christian, or I'm new to back to the Lord. I go, okay. So off I go. And I start doing things. I actually got on the board of a, of a um, church, Southeast Christian Church in, in um, Colorado. I helped build a, a school there. And um, it's just doing all these things. But the more I kept doing all these things, I could never seem to please everybody. I never, it was never enough, including myself. I never really fully felt fulfilled. And so I started getting tired. But then I realized I had this thing in my life, this sin in my life, and that sin in my life just kept going. I would sin, 
I want to tell somebody, I want to get it off my chest, but everybody's fine. And if I tell them that I got issues, they're going to kick me out of this room. So I have to just stuff it. And when I stuff it, after a while, I get in what's called the sin repent cycle. And in that cycle, I sin, then I feel guilty. So finally, I go to my knees. I ask God to forgive me. I'm so sorry I did it. He forgives me and I feel better. But as this cycle continues around, somewhere in the, in the next couple days or something, I get hurt again. Somebody steps on my toes or hurts my feelings or whatever. I feel some sort of a pain, and I go through that sin again because that makes me feel good. And I just go through that sin-repent cycle over and over again because I can't tell anybody. There's nowhere for me to go to really connect with somebody and share, and I have this fear that they'll kick me out if they know that i got a problem. I'm not perfect. So I'm wearing the mask doing it, but I'm just wearing myself out. I mean, haven't, I'm sure everybody that's listened to this, you've had times in your life where the stuff you were doing just seemed like between raising your family, having the kids, and then doing all the church stuff, you just got to wear yourself out. I mean, you're describing the experience a lot of people have right now. Like, even listening, have in church, they've got, I mean, let's just call them what they are. They're, they're issues. We all have them. Mm-hmm. And they're wondering, my goodness, like, I've got these things where I'm struggling in life. What would people think if they knew? Like if they really knew what was happening in my house Monday through Saturday, I show up at church, you know, put on a happy face, you know, and buck it up and everything's great. How are you? We're fine. How are you? Everything's good. How are you? Couldn't be better. And then, then you go back and it's. And you're hurting inside. And these are really good people. This, this isn't like the people are flawed. This is. Culture, this, way of thinking. This is just life. This, mm-hmm. this is, and it's so there's the this tension. In India, it's the same in Africa. It's the same in Europe. People are the same. Maybe speak a different language, but if they're in the church and they're involved trying to do something for God, many times they get stuck in that place where they're wearing the "I'm fine." That's why Facebook is so popular, right? Facebook is popular because I can show everybody I'm fine. I put it all the good stuff up there. <laughs> I don't show them all the other stuff, right? I just show them, hey, look how great we are. Or if we show them the bad stuff, yeah. we spin it in such a way to where it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> like or even... feel sorry for me, and, and you know, you want something, you're trying to get something out of that. But so anyway, um, in this room, I just had to come out of there, uh, and it, it was that's not something that happens overnight. It's, it kind of wears you down maybe over years even. And somewhere in your life, you're going to get to the place, I've got to find something else. Most people are looking for purpose, and that's good. We want to have purpose. But if you're searching for purpose and you don't find it, but all you're finding is all these jobs to do for other people in the church and all that, you're not being fulfilled. You're just working your butt off. <laughs> you get worn out. You get tired. And physically, you can get tired in your immune system and you sleep and all the different things. And that's what opens the door for the enemy. Just really, you become a target for the enemy. And that just helps go down faster, right? So in my story, I just said, I got to get out of here. And I leave that. And I kind of go back to that why in the road. And I go, okay, there's got to be a different way, different place. My, my life has to be different. And I saw this little sign that said this way. And it was trusting God and others. Well, I was leery about going down that path from the get-go because because of everything that had happened to me with my addictions and all the trouble I'd gotten in, everybody had, I had isolated myself so much that all my friends, even my family members had distanced themselves from me. I didn't trust anybody. I just trusted me. So now I'm finding this path where it says, trust God and others. 
And I was, you know, and that was a hard, that was hard for me just to even take that path because I was just thinking, I don't trust anybody, man. They're, they're just all they're going to do is try and punish me again, or they're going to use me or take advantage of me or something. But I went because I felt like I, the Holy Spirit was nudging me just go down this path. So if anybody's listening to this. Trusting God and others sounds like a really cool thing, but the thing is, for some some of us that have been wounded and hurt, where we don't trust anybody at all except for ourselves, we're self-reliant. We may be very even self uh, successful, but we can't let others in on who we really are. We keep that mask and stuff up. To really trust others, you got to be willing to tell them, "I have an issue. I'm struggling. Can you help me? I'm reaching out." We have to be vulnerable. You've got to you've got to expose exactly. yourself, and exactly. you, you've got to put yourself in the position where you could be hurt right. for it to work. Right. You know, in another class, we teach that the key to having an intimate relationship, both vertically with God and then horizontally with a spouse or, or with people, is the two pillars that hold up intimacy are one being able to trust them. That's the trust thing, and the second one is a willingness to be vulnerable. If you don't have those two things, you're never going to have intimacy in a relationship. I tell I tell people in marriage counseling all the time, man, you can have great sex, but I mean, if you don't have intimacy, it's totally different. If you don't have trust, you're, you're not going to get intimacy. The physical aspect, the world has said that's intimacy. That is not intimacy. That's great sex. Or for many men and women that I counsel, they're longing for sex because their, their relationship has gone so far apart. Now they're roommates. And they're just living together. And usually it's the church rules holding the marriage together. I, I can't get divorced. So it's not good. I'm a Christian. I'm, you know, whatever. But there's no relationship. Anyway, that's a different class. So I go down this pathway. And I find this room again. Another room. Big room. And then when I say a room, it's kind of like uh, the big hotels when they have conventions. You go into that convention. Your room is 301B. And you go in there and it's just big, empty, huge room, right? And they have a lot of chairs, and then there's usually a stage or something, and the speaker's going to be up there. Well, this is kind of the same kind of thing, only this time, there were groups of people kind of doing some things. It was very soft, controlled. They weren't running around. They were just kind of in groups doing things. And somebody greets me in the door again and um, says, hey, welcome to the Room of Grace. How you doing? Well, I just came out of that Room of Good Intentions, so what do you think my answer was? I'm fine. I'm fine, brother. Praise God. I'm so glad to be here with you all. You know, <laughs> and uh, as soon as I said that, everybody in the room just stopped and they all started looking at me. And the guy looks at me. He goes, um, "Hey, man, you ain't fine." They're like, we got another one. <laughs> got <laughs> you ain't fine, man. Because if you were fine, you wouldn't need to be here. This is the room of grace. How are you really doing? And it was that point in my life where I think every Christian needs to get where you just take off all of the anchors, you take off all of the, tear down all the walls that are blocking you from going inward and being able to just say, this is what I really am. This is what I'm really feeling. This is what I'm really struggling with. And I just began to take those masks. And, you know, I'm, I'm just taking like on my hand over my head and I'm pulling, ripping a mask off my face. And I'm saying, oh man, my, my wife is divorcing me. And, I think I'm going to lose my job. And I just started spilling my guts, right? What we would call it normally. <clears throat> and I'm about halfway through telling them all my issues. In the back of my head, I'm going, there is no way they're going to let me stay in this room. Because I'm too messed up. 
I'm too unworthy. I've made too many mistakes to be able to be in the place called the room of grace, where supposedly that's where God was. And so I'm telling them everything, and I'm crying. And in my picture of myself, I mean, I'm crying. There's snot coming out of my nose. And, you know, it's really a deep, weeping cry because I'm really burying my soul. And I get to the last one, and I'm just kind of standing there. And way in the back of the room, this old geezer guy, must have been 70 years old, a really old guy, he goes, Hey, man, that all you got? And I look up at the group, and I sniffle. Yeah, man. That's all I got. And everybody at that point comes rushing down around me, putting their arms around me, and just start loving on me, going, welcome to the room of grace. Because in this room, we come to believe that we are who God says we are, not who the world says we are, not who my spouse says I am, not who my parents say I am. I come to believe that I am who God, my Father, says I am. And at that point in your life, when you get to the place where you can actually believe that, you get the promise. And the promise of the room of grace is his rest. God's rest. It's what he talked about constantly in the Old Testament through all of Israel's plights. They always were seeking his rest. He always promised his rest. Jesus said, I will give you rest. I, I, you know, those that are weary, come to me. My, my burden is light. You know, my yoke is easy. He, he, everything was about getting to that place where in the middle of the world's and life's storms, you can go, man, I sure don't like what's going on, but I'm okay. God's going to be, I'm, God's with me. I'm, I'm going to be all right. And you don't have that anxiety and that, that panic or the worry about, how am I going to make it or what's going to happen? And I'm not saying we don't have to be concerned and make decisions in life, but you don't have that, like you're, you know, like you're totally out of control. Well, what, what strikes me about these two rooms is the, the, the things people do in these two rooms can look very similar. Sure. So in both rooms, you can lead in ministry. In both rooms, you can volunteer. In both rooms, you can serve your family and serve your neighbors and volunteer at the church and teach sermons and lead classes and small groups and all. But, but the heart drive, the motivation the is completely different. The fuel that makes it work. And as a result, your experience is completely different. Right. The motive, really the, the, the lie in the road and when we take these paths is what motive am I going to have for being a Christian? Why am I being a Christian? And in the room of good intentions, my motive is I have to prove to you that I'm good enough. I'm doing this so I will be accepted. Right. And so what is that? That you're doing things for your identity. You're trying to get people to say this is who you are to believe that that's who you are. So it's all about, will this make me look good? Will this, is this going to enhance, are they going to like me? But it, it, people, when you're worried about people liking you, you have a problem with not believing uh, deep down inside that your identity is good or that who you are is good. So your identity is cluttered with false identities. And we have a whole teaching on identities and false identities and all that in part three of the school. But that's the thing, and you nailed it, it, motivation. So in the room of grace, they're doing the same things, but the motive no longer is to prove who I am with my identity. I am secure that my identity says I'm a child of the, of the living God, that God loves me, that I'm who God says I am. He created me with, for purpose and reason, and he loves me no matter what I'm going to do. 
and I'm doing all these other things for God's glory. They're just an overflow, just of, an overflow. of what's and, already true. Right, and teaching a God's agape love is all about filling yourself up on a daily basis with God's presence so that it overflows out of you. And instead of having to love somebody that's bugging the heck out of you at workplace or a classmate that's just chapping your butt with words and the way they're acting, you let God's love flow out, and that's how you can love them, even though they're not being nice to you necessarily. Well, in this room, it's okay to be transparent. It's okay yeah. to not be okay. It's right. okay to have dirt and clutter that right. you're messing up and cleaning up. It's okay to cease striving, stop performing. Right. It's okay to let those masks down. You know, in AA, I learned one thing, and um, you know, I kind of went through the whole hippie time frame back, I don't want to say how old I am, but in the 60s and, Where, and 50s. I don't want to say how old I am, but I, it was in the 60s right, and 70s. Right. Then, went, then we went through the soccer mom thing where our generation said, we're going to give our kids the things that our parents weren't able to give them. And we went overboard. The pendulum swung. And then we have, you know, we, we're not going to play this baseball game to have a champion. We're going to play this baseball game and love everybody. And then everybody gets a trophy. Oh, yeah. Y'all pass no, out the participation yeah, trophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's no, there's no, um, everyone's just doing all this. got to be good. So you get this, this motive that says, you know, I have to be perfect. I have to be the best. I have to be good. And I can't, it's not okay to have a problem or have an issue. But what I learned in AA was it says, hey man, you're messed up. I'm messed up. And that's okay. Uh, and they, they framed it in, you're not okay. I'm not okay. But that's okay. And with that mindset in the room of grace, we can do that because we know God's grace is sufficient. He's not going to change how much he loves us. I can tell you in a closed door session what's really my issues and will you pray for me or will you help me will you give me an accountability partner will you whatever and not have a fear that my life is going to you know get messed up or you're going to not like me or more than anything God's going to not like me or God's not going to answer my prayers he's not going to hear my prayers because I'm not good enough yet I got to work harder and then maybe God will hear my and answer my prayers and many people Christians believe that when they pray for things and it doesn't get answered that it's because they've done something wrong. They haven't, they've looked around in their life. What do I need to polish up? What do I need to fix so that God will answer my prayer? And that's the farthest thing from the truth that there ever was. God hears all our prayers. Or we think if we got something that worked out, it's because we're so blessable. Yeah. Because we're, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, oh, God's... Yeah. Then you get the Pharisees and Sadducee guys that say, oh, I'm holy, man. I, I get all the front row seats and I get all the accolades. That verse you said, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy laden, burdened down. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I, I, I think it really resonates with this teaching here because, you know, in that culture, a yoke was a rabbi's system of teaching. Yep. So this isn't just all of you who are tired. This is all of you who have been trying to fill all the religious duties, all the rules, all the stuff that keeps you going. Wait, hold on. I've got a system of teaching that is very light. It's very easy. It's, and he shifts people from what would be this room of good intentions right there in that passage. That he he doesn't use the language. Very heavy. It's a big old log with two little carved out half moons so that it fit over the shoulders of two oxen. And that heavy yoke is how the farmer is going to push those oxen and direct them and steer them to plow the field, right? We are a workhorse right. under that. Right. 
But notice Jesus didn't say, I'll take away your yoke. He said, I'll make the yoke easy. easy. Right? That everybody needs a yoke. Our culture is trying to get to the place right now where they're saying, we don't need a yoke. There doesn't mean to be any yoke. You just go and do whatever you want to do. Everybody's right. And God did not create a system that works that way. That is anti-Christ. That is anti-God, right? Right. And so the cool thing is, is when you've got an easy yoke, you can ask the Lord, which way do I go? And you can just navigate through life without it being this heavy burden, but you still have something to give you direction, something to help you navigate through the issues and problems of life. And we, to be honest with you, we all need that. We all kind of want that. We, we say, I don't want people telling me what to do, but in reality, we want direction. Even children want the direction from their parents until they get to you know teenage years where they're actually in active rebellion maybe or something. But little kids listen to what their parents are telling them. Yeah. So that's where the two rooms are. And uh, I also talked a little bit in the class about how do we get out of that room of grace and how, can we go back and forth between the two rooms and all that. But... Um, the, the basic teaching of it is we just want them to find that room of grace. And along that road, the trusting God and others that leads to that room of grace, there are many giants that come to try to keep you from finding that room. They're going to try to either detour you off that path to a different path, or they're going to try to take you down and hurt you and wound you so that you don't want to keep going on that journey to that room. All right, here's what I want to do, because we're... I mean, I, you know, we're, I would like to say, well, we're out of time and we got all the time that we, that we want to do this. However, I want to end right here and let people sit with this teaching, with the framework between the room of good intention, the room of grace, and really ponder, hey, where am I? And how, how am I viewing salvation? How am I viewing the life that I'm, I'm called and gifted Right now, what's going to be the lens that I, that I walk through and perceive my relationship with God through? And then I want to come back and in another talk, I want you to outline those seven giants and let's make it really applicable in terms of how, how do we overcome these things and what does it look like? Close this down. Yeah, I just want anybody that's listening to just know this. You're, um, what you, how you see yourself and how you think God sees you can be very distorted based on what your performance has been in the past, your historical background. God doesn't look at that. He just loves you. He just loves you. He created you. He knew from the beginning when you were conceived in the womb you were going to do all the things you did, and he still loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. So it's changing our perception, and, and as you... As we go through these, this journey, I call it a journey of discovery, as we go through this, we figure out what are those lies that the I've started to believe. And how can I get rid of those lies and find that room of grace and really come to see myself in the true identity. So come on down to the tribe. Come join the tribe. <laughs>